Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the One Shot Podcast, the cricket podcast of the Sports Gazette. I'm Ayush, and as always, I'm joined here by Toby. Toby, how are you? Did you enjoy, uh, should I say, I won't say great, I'll say an interesting weekend of World Cup cricket. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, England are slowly starting to find some sort of form. It's still nowhere near any sort of form that they they had over the last eight years, but better than the first few games, let's say. And yeah, it's been, been an interesting last few days of World Cup cricket. We're really thrilled to have a special guest with here with us here today on the One Shot Podcast, uh, where we're going to be focusing a lot on the South African team. Sports journalist Daniel Gallen has joined us. Uh, Daniel specializes in cricket and rugby. And, you know, he's had bylines for uh, many major sports publications, CNN, ESPN, Crick Info, The Mail and Guardian, Wisden, and these are just a few of the names. Daniel, how are you doing? And are you still buzzing from South Africa's Rugby World Cup Heroics? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, really happy to be on. Yeah, of course. I'm still, still living in the afterglow of the Springboks uh, World Cup win. The, the Proteas uh, gargantuan defeat to India yesterday has sort of humbled me a little bit. But um, yeah, I've, I've kind of I've lowered my expectations for the Proteas and I think they're still looking pretty good for a uh, for a semi-final spot. In fact, I think I think they've they've guaranteed that. So, yeah, get this get this uh, bad result out of the way and and focus on the knockouts. Absolutely, and I think if India do collapse, as we are all thinking, if they go unbeaten to the semis, I think it's going to be South Africa that's going to get the better of them. So, as we always do, let's get right into it. Uh, Daniel, not many people gave South Africa a chance to make the semi-finals before the start of this World Cup. Uh, there were very few, must have probably thought, given, you know, the other teams and England. I, I remember Toby and I predicted that England could probably go on to defend their title, but that fell really badly, that prediction. Uh, a lot was made of Andrik Nokia's, uh, you know, absence or uh, the the lack of the all-rounder or, you know, those two big, those two really crucial all-rounders like India have in Hardik and Jadeja. Australia maybe with Maxwell, Stoinis, but they've done really, really well so far. What do you think has been the biggest positive? Yeah, I, they they have certainly exceeded expectations. They're, they're a team that's, I guess, um, more than the sum of their parts. You know, there, there aren't any really superstars. I mean, Klaassen's been a revelation, but I, I, going into this tournament, I don't, I don't think many people would have expected him to be the stand-up performer, Quinton de Kock, Sort of felt like a spent force going into this. He, he announced his retirement before the start. Rabada, it's been looking a bit a bit jaded for a while. The spinners were were handy without being world class, and Bavuma was was an able captain. But there were you know there were rumors of discontent and and um, 
a lack of confidence, I suppose. I think that's largely because of the, the exploits of the test team. Yeah, so they kind of flew under the radar. They played a lot of ODI cricket in the lead-up to this, one of the few teams that actually had focused on this format um, in the run into the World Cup. So, yeah, I think, I think if they finished fourth, if you asked me at the start of the tournament what would be a good result for South Africa, I would have said finishing fourth and qualifying for the semis and anything after that would have been a, a bonus. Um, yeah, but they've been fantastic. That, that middle order of, of Markham, Miller, Clarkson is, is as powerful as they've probably ever had it. I think A.B. de Villiers tweeted and uh, suggested as much. Um, and, and the boat, I mean, Marco Janssen's been fantastic. Lungi and Gidi's bowled really well. I think, I think both of them have, have, have played above themselves. I still think that Janssen at seven is probably too high and, and that lack of an all-rounder might come back and bite them in a game that really matters. Nokia is obviously a big loss. Um, he provides that point of difference. But yeah, they, they've, they've just been fantastic. They, they, they're a side that looks unburdened by, by their own history. They, they don't seem to be hamstrung by the psychological impacts of the chokers tag. So yeah, I've been been really impressed. And I, and again, I think I think making the semis would constitute a a victory in and of itself. And after that, I think they'll go in whoever they play. It looks like probably Australia in the semifinals. Or might be a chance to exercise some demons. Um, but even if they lose that game, I, I don't think we could call it a choke. And I think that's probably been the major reason why they've been able to perform on on the world stage. Yeah, and a, a semi-final win over Australia would really be sweet uh, for South Africa. We all know why. And uh, like you said, Marco Janssen has been a positive. I do agree that, you know, that the lack of that all-rounder could come back to bite them. I was actually reading something from Ricky Ponting yesterday where he said to the ICC, he was asked to pick his three best players of the World Cup so far. And he said, Quinton de Kopp, of course. He said, Adam Zampa. And he said, Marco Janssen. He's been really impressed mm-hmm. with him. Toby, we were speaking earlier as well. We've touched up upon this in past episodes as well with the six uh, batters, five bowlers, if you consider Janssen as a very, very specialist bowler. How have you, how impressed have you been with him so far? We all remember what he did to England at, at the Wankhede uh, not too long ago in that partnership with Klaassen and he's just been really good. Yeah, no, it's been really impressive. I... Similar to, I think, a lot of people didn't expect Ganson to be anywhere near as good as he's been. I think everyone knew he had talent with the ball um, and he has shown that taking, I think he's the third highest wicket taker, um, 17, 17 wickets. Um, has been really, really impressive with the new ball in particular. Um, but I think he's almost been that revelation with with the bat and batting at number seven where I thought he was a place too high. A lot of people thought he was a place too high. Um, but he's really managed to to find a spot and, and actually he shielded the the rest of the tail, the South African tail, very well. And it hasn't actually felt like they've had that shallower batting lineup. Whereas if you were to look at it on paper, having Janssen at seven compared to, you know, England when they had um, Chris Wokes and Rashid at nine and 10 in their first match, you'd think, oh, by far the South African batting lineup is way weaker. Um, but Janssen, along with just how good Klaassen and de Kock and the, and the way actually South Africa have batted has been crucial. I think in the, in the way that they're they're almost batting a, a just a runner ball going slowly along for the first thirty overs, knowing that they can catch up at the death because they have such an explosive middle order, um, and trusting themselves to to bat in the way they they know they can, uh, which I think has been crucial. But but Klaassen, oh, not sorry, Jensen has been absolutely fantastic, and as long as he can sort of keep chipping in the way he has been, then. With, with with the bat that is, then I think they should be fine. But as Daniel mentioned, they are still slightly prone to a collapse, as shown yesterday um, for the for the India game. Absolutely. And Daniel, I'd also like to ask you about the unpredictability of this South African team, so to say. Uh, the two matches they lost, of course, India, everyone's not been even close to giving a competitive fight to India. But in the other matches, they've smashed... Australia, New Zealand and England. And those are all huge wins. At least, you know, 130-odd runs against Australia, 190 runs against New Zealand and 230 runs almost against England. And the match, the other match that they've lost has been to the Netherlands. Mm. That That's where their chasing problem has come in. I know Bavuma said it yesterday that we know we are very aware of this chasing problem that we have given now the two matches that they've lost have been chasing and that they almost... 
uh, fluffed it against Pakistan as well before Maharaj saw them through. Come the semi-finals, is it a really, really big problem where you see that it's just they are not ready to chase down big totals or you feel it's going to be fine? No, it's 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 clearly a problem. They're not the only team in this World Cup that has, that has had problems chasing. I, I don't really know why they, they aren't a team that's comfortable chasing. I don't know if it is the scoreboard pressure. I mean, it's, it, it probably is largely that. Um, maybe the way the ball comes on to the bats in India in the second innings. Um, perhaps it's the way that they that that they bowl defending a target that they feel that they feel they can come out and be a lot more aggressive from the start. I, I I don't know what it is. Um, I if they and if and they don't seem to know what it is. If they did, I think they would probably have rectified it by now. So yeah, of course it's a problem. They they will they will need to to bat first in in the two knockout games or if they play a second knockout game. If they have a hope of winning this World Cup, they basically have to bat first in, in in every single game. I think the way New Zealand... New Zealand was sort of the last straw for opposition teams. New Zealand sent them into bats, hoping that the what had come before was more outliers. That sort of cemented that South Africa are a fantastic team batting first and a, and a pretty ordinary one batting second. So, yeah, uh, it, is, it is a concern. But, hey, it, you know, two coin flips and they, and they become world champions potentially. So, I, I think... If uh, if you gave that to any South African fan at the start of the tournament, they would have uh, they would have taken it very happily. Absolutely. And how big would this would this win be back home? You know, it's just the significance of a World Cup win, and already there's a high with what the Springboks have done. Uh, only a few days ago, I think it's just been a, just a little bit over a week now where they won this, and in two week in less than two weeks' time now. There is a potential. Yes, I know. Again, it's India looking clear favorites right now, but there is a very there is a good chance that South Africa could add that Cricket World Cup title as well to what the rugby, what the guys in rugby have done. I think it's important to know that it, it wouldn't matter to as many people as the Springboks victory would, and and possibly it wouldn't matter as much. The Springboks, given their success, given the way that South Africans view their sports in a very muscular way, you know, the, the, the insecurities of the country where we go and, you know, our 15 big behemoths can go and flatten your 15 behemoths. There's something, I think, that, that taps into the psychology of, of, of the South African sports fan a bit, a bit more profoundly with rugby than it does with cricket. But for cricket fans, and, and, I, and I consider myself first and foremost a cricket fan before I consider myself a rugby fan, it would mean the world. Um, I'm I'm not quite old enough to remember the 1992 World Cup, the first one where um, South Africa needed 22 runs of, of one ball. But I'm old enough to remember 96 when they came up against Brian uh, Brian Lara at his peak. I'm I'm old enough to remember 99 um, when Alan Donald dropped his bat, and that still haunts me to this day. And and from there, it's just been one calamity after the next. The um, miscalculations in a home World Cup in the rain when Sean Pollock. And, and Mark Boucher somehow contrived to lose a game or draw a game that they should have won. Um, the, the naivety against the strong Australian side in 2007, uh, the chokes against New Zealand following that, and, and I guess the, just the calamity that was the last World Cup in, in 2019 when Faf Duplessis had the spectre of, of Abe de Villiers sort of hanging over him. So, yeah, it would, it would absolutely mean the world to me and, 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 and the millions of, of South Africa good fans who, who I think are due one. I think I think we've 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 stuck with the side through some some heartache and some frankly embarrassing moments. So a World Cup win, especially especially a World Cup win from a side that, like I said, is is bereft of superstars. You think of that 2015 side, and there were some all-time greats there: um, Abe de Villiers, Dale Steyn, Hashim Amla, Mornay Morkel. I, I think apart from Kahisa Rabada and Quinton de Kock, it's hard to think of of a player that maybe makes. An all-time team, I suppose. Maybe David Miller does now. Um, you could maybe make a case for Aiden Markram, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. You, you look at the side, and it's not, a, it's not a side dripping with superstars like previous iterations have had, and and that maybe makes them a, a bit more likable, a bit more relatable, a bit more plucky. You know, we South Africans don't like to think of their sports teams as plucky. We like to think of them as dominance and commanding. So if this side goes and wins it, it, it would be a remarkable run. And I think a lot of South Africans would feel that, yeah, it was long overdue and, and, and what they deserve for sticking with them for so long. 
Absolutely. That's a really fascinating insight first into, you know, how South African fans view their, you know, their different sports with rugby, cricket. And like you rightly mentioned, uh, that 2015 team, that's what many people said back then, you know, uh, if this team with the guys like AB, uh, Faf, Hashim Amla, Dale Stain and the others couldn't make it, uh, we're probably, none, none, no other team is probably going to make it. Toby, but like Dan mentions, this team, not too many real proper big, big superstars on a global stage. But they've been so ably led by a captain in Temba Bavuma. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, had seen that the New Balance ad just before the World Cup. It was a really inspiring ad featuring Temba Bavuma, uh, you know, where, you know, he was the leader of the South African team. And he he he, he spoke about how his name Temba means hope. And he's carrying the hope of a nation and of a team. Toby, how how impressed have you been with Bahuma's leadership? Yeah, I mean, he seems to have drawn the best out of his players, um, which has been really impressive. I mean, as as Dan mentioned, that they haven't necessarily got the biggest names in the tournament. Um, and maybe a few up and coming guys like Jansen and, and Coatsy, um, who who do have um who do have great futures ahead of them most likely. Um, but he seems to have really found the the right balance within the side and and the way that he can uh, manage this team. And, and weirdly, I mean, when Hendricks came in for him in, in the one match Bavuma's missed so far, Hendricks went in and scored a load of runs. Um, and and maybe people thought, oh, Bavuma might be missing out. But I think just how strong his leadership is and, and has been just means it's a no-brainer to keep him in there, even if he's not scoring runs as fluently as as the rest of the batting lineup. Um, but in some ways that means that they can cover for him and you can almost have a, not a specialist captain, um, but his leadership skills almost outweigh the batting options um, around him. What, what I will say on Temba though, is that he came to this tournament averaging 55 in ODI cricket. He'd, he'd been one of South Africa's top run scorers of the last 18 months. He's not having the best tournament, but I think any other captain in any other country, or maybe not India, but I think I think a lot of a lot of other captains would get a lot more leeway than Tim Bavuma. He's uh, I don't want to use the cliche much maligned, but for some reason he he has struggled to win over every cricket fan around the world. I don't know if it's because of his size, and that is obviously a factor. In South Africa, it's it's certainly his race has has, has got to do with it. The fact that he has long been accused of being a political selection, and and he's you know he, he's frankly a, a quite a I don't want to say a boring character, but a pretty, you know, he he sort of mumbles in monotone answers. He's not exactly dynamic. He may or may not have fallen asleep in the pre-tournament um, captain's presser. So there's there's something, I don't want to say unlovable, but it's 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 hard to really, you know, pin your colors and be like, and, and you cut yourself open and you bleed the the the, the blood of Tim Bavuma. It's, 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 he's not that sort of leader, but he's a hell of a player. And, and, He's been a great, great captain. He, he, the way he's rotated his bowlers, I think has been a, a real key to the success. So, yeah, if if anyone's asking me, I think that Temba Bouma is is certainly the first name on the team sheet. What What do you think his biggest asset as captain is? Is it the fact that he sort of can almost everyone gives him the respect within the side, or is it more a tactical circumstance? It's both. He he um uh he's definitely got the buy-in of the whole team. His handling of, of the way of the of the Quinton de Kock scandal, and I say scandal because it was pretty scandalous, when Quinton de Kock refused to take a knee in support of Black Lives Matter um in, in a in in a, in a global IC event, it, it that could have ruptured the side. But the way the way Temba handled it, he the, the conversations he must have had behind closed doors with Quinton clearly won the player over and, and Quinton de Kock speaks about Timber Bavuma as as a as a man, as a person, as a leader. And and listening to all the other players, it's it's quite clear that this is Timber's team. And I think a lot of the, a lot of South African cricket fans have still failed to to either buy that or believe that, but but it seems genuine. And the way this team is pulling together, as I said, being more than the sum of their parts, um it's quite clear that they're being steered by an astute leader, and, and tactically, I think he's been really spot on. I think I think the way he's changed his players up, I think the way that he's he, they've got their selections right. You know, you would one would think that Sabrai Shamsi on on those wickets would play every game, but they've backed um, Gerald Kutsia, and everyone seems to have a very clear understanding of their role. 
and even a guy like Reza Hendricks, who I think is a is a fantastic cricketer. Um, Reza Hendricks would maybe open for most other teams, but obviously he's competing with the captain. But but Reza's never sulked. I mean, behind closed doors, I'm sure he he wishes he had more game time, but he's never sulked. He's never he's never cut a surly figure when he has played. He's taken his opportunities, been ready, and I just think there's a good there's a good vibe in the team, and 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 you got to give Timber credit for that. So. Yeah, to any to any doubters or haters, I, I say, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And, and and if they go and win the World Cup and Timber lifts the lifts the trophy as 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 a black South African, I, I don't like like I said earlier, I don't think it will quite have the same resonance as Sia Khaleesi, but man, that would that would be something special for South Africa, 30 years after democracy, to have a a black African cricket captain and a black African rugby captain, both as World Cup winners in the same year. Um they would certainly send an example to the useless politicians that run the place. Um, and yeah, I, 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 no, I, I don't, I would never claim to have a relationship with Tambo, but I've interviewed him throughout his career when he was coming up um, through the lines. And when I was starting out as a journalist in South Africa and um, I interviewed him when he, when he was at, when he was coming through the lines, then when he became a senior player, then when he first got on the side and he always, he, he always said that he wants to be seen as a, as a cricketer first, as a, as a batter first, and, and a black person second. But something tells me that in the last few years, certainly since he's become captain of the Proteas, he's perhaps gained a, a, a greater appreciation of, of what he means as a, as a symbol. And and rather than being burdened by it, which he may have been early on in his career, he he seems fully comfortable with it and he just seems like in a really good space and he's playing good cricket. You know, he, he, he hasn't, he hasn't quite clicked in this world cup, but as I said earlier, he's, he's been in great touch in the last um, two years or so. So yeah, I, I, I wish him all the best and, and it would just be fantastic if he manages to do it. Absolutely. And he has been one of the best batters of the team in the build up to this world cup. And like you mentioned, the vibe that he's bringing, even in the field, you see the intensity that Temba brings off. Uh, it, it just rubs on the rest of the team because mm. he's everywhere in the field. He doesn't bowl, but he's absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Yesterday, you saw even, there was a, it was a brief moment. I don't know if maybe I'm reading too much into it, but Virat Kohli was going for a second run uh, at, at one stage. And you could even Virat, how quick he is, one of the quickest in the world between the wickets. But with when he saw that Temba was chasing the ball, it almost forced him to put in a put in a, a very long dive into the crease. The throw was a little bit off, so Virat wasn't in trouble. But yeah, you could see that even the opposition could see that yeah, this guy's going to chase it. This this guy's going to be right after things. So we ha- we have to mm. be in the top of a game. So yeah, that, that yeah, I think great, that great builder. Absolutely, and just yeah, just the intensity he brings is so important for a captain. Talking about another player who has been and someone who you spoke about just a few seconds back as well, Quentin de Kock. I think he, he did reiterate yesterday or day before as well that he's not going to take the retirement decision back. Uh, mm-hmm. He is right now the leading run scorer of this World Cup and he, he seems very content on this being his last ODI tournament. But with the World Cup coming at home in just four years' time and, you know, the first time that South Africa would be hosting a World Cup since 2017-20 and the first ODI since 2003. Do you feel there is room for him to stay on, given that, you know, like you said, there's a good vibe in the team, good understanding in the team. Maybe someone can wear him down and convince him that, hey, there's a World Cup at home in just four years' time. I mean, he'll certainly be good enough in four years' time. He's he's only he's only 30 years old now, so he'll be 34. One, one might assume that he'll be actually be even better than he is right now. So, um that that won't be a factor playing at home in a home world cup i think i don't want to say that quinton it doesn't love his country and doesn't love playing for his country and doesn't love playing cricket i think he does all of that i mean he he, he loves all those aspects of, of of his of his of his profession but he strikes me as someone that wouldn't be swayed by the sentiments of a home world cup i don't think i don't think that would matter as Say this was Faf Duplessis or, or Abu de Villiers or Hashim Amla, even Graham Smith, you know, some of the greats of the past. I think they would want to reverse that decision. I, I would be, I hope I'm wrong, because um, I think I think any any team with Quinn de Kock is a better team for his presence. 
Um, but I'd, I'd be surprised if he if he makes a U-turn on this decision. He He's quite a headstrong, stubborn guy. Um, and he he enjoys playing cricket, but he doesn't love playing cricket. What he loves is spending time with his family. He loves fishing. He loves hanging out with his mates who aren't cricketers. And I remember I sat down with him for an interview that lasted over two hours. I think we spoke about cricket for about half an hour of that. The rest was just what he likes to do on the weekends and, and his views on life. And, um, you know, two hours was a long time to chat with Quinton de Kock because he's not the the most uh, talkative figure. Um, but he he he's a guy who I think once he makes up his mind, he's made up his mind. And and he said something quite, um, uh, quite profound with the BBC recently where he said that he doesn't want to be one of those guys who looks up and his daughter's seven years old and, and he missed out on all those years. I, I've got a, a two and a half year old myself. And I can tell you that it goes really quickly. And I think a lot of cricketers who have kids and, and, and continue playing, almost all of them look back and, and, and say, I wish I had more time with my kids when they were between the ages of one and five, for example. And, you know, you don't get those years back. And I think Quinton just does not want to lose out on those years. So to answer the question, that's a very long winded way of answering the question. But I think, I think, it would be a shame to not have him in a home world cup but i i think south africa will have to do without him yeah and there's there's so much more that goes into it as well with these demands uh, it is the odi format that so many of the players are keen on sacrificing because yeah like you mentioned that it, it's not just all cricket for them they have to look at their personal lives as well uh, especially you know with being parents and with so much more coming on into it uh, toby it does take us back to that the World Cup, the the ODI format as well. We did have a chat with Nick Friend as well uh, a couple of weeks ago where we spoke about the format. Uh, and with the World Cup, that the way it's been going on, uh, there were already so many problems. And the cricketer, like we mentioned the other day, did report that there is going to be a talk about the future of ODI cricket going forward as well after the end of this World Cup. 2027 will happen. I think the World Cup should happen given that South Africa, Zimbabwe and Namibia are hosting it. But first, Toby, I'd like to get your thoughts on ODI cricket right now. Yeah, I mean, Quinton de Kock isn't the first who's retired from ODIs early and, and definitely won't be the last either. He's he's obviously taken, taken a step back from test cricket in, in the past, now ODIs. And I mean, it, it makes sense from not only a sort of cricketing point of view on your body, but also a financial point of view. He's getting paid for two months in the IPL every year. Um, and will earn millions from that for, for as long as he wants to, really. And I mean, with the expansion of the IPO, not only in India, but now them taking over teams in different franchises around the world, he can pretty much go and play cricket whenever he wants T20s. So it's only short as well. And if he wants to bring his family with him to to all these cool places that they'll take him to. Um, and ODI cricket definitely seems to be the one that's that's missing out as a format. Um it's a bit of a shame because it is it is such a great spectacle when it when it comes off. However, as this World Cup has shown, there have been many matches where after 30 or 40 overs, even less, you pretty much know the result of the game. Um, you'll obviously always still get some absolute crackers um, within this. I mean, even just the, the Australian-New Zealand game a few days ago was fantastic. 2019 World Cup was was unbelievable, that final. However, a lot of people will almost forget with that game that for the first, maybe not 100, but for the first 80 overs of that match, it wasn't that interesting, particularly that New Zealand batting innings. They sort of just ticked along and and didn't look like they put on a massive total that was unchaseable. And then a, a little collapse from England, and, and that's where it started to get interesting. Um, so it, it almost does make sense that this will be the format missing out, but it is such a shame because it, it can be unbelievable and it means you get a whole day of what can be a fantastic spectacle but we'll have to wait and see i guess over the next few years what the icc decides to do with it and and maybe it needs to be whittled down into a more specialist um format where for the year leading up to world cup they everyone plays a lot of odi cricket but otherwise i can't see there there being huge amounts of it over the next few years at least and daniel i'd love to know where you stand on this uh with ODIs and where it's all going. Are there any some really strong changes to we'll come to the format of the World Cup, but just to ODI cricket in general, the way it's played that you'd like to see? I, I love ODIs. 
I, I think it's a great format. I think Mike Atherton in, in, a, in a column in the Times recently said that if he could if he could watch one day of cricket, he would choose an ODI match. I, I think I think the chance of a of a blockbuster, you know, a really cracking finish at the end of an ODI, those really stand out. You think of you think of the great limited overs matches, you know, all the ones that come to my mind are, are ODIs. I, I can't I can't think of a of a T twenty that was as captivating as the four three eight game that South Africa won against Australia, or the 99 semi-final that was tied, or the or the 2019 um, World Cup final. You know, a, a hundred overs of cricket provides the undulations of a test match, but also condenses it, and it becomes this 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 real. It can be an epic, and I I would it would be a shame to see it go. However, if it meant taking away a format to preserve test cricket, I, I think it would be a necessary casualty. But I hope that's not the case. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's not doesn't look good, does it? Um, you know, these all these one sided contests. We've had what two close matches. I'm thinking of the South Africa Pakistan game, and there's there's another one. I'm, I'm maybe one involving Afghanistan that I can't quite remember. But even you know, even the upsets involving the Netherlands and 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 Afghanistan, they, they've been pretty one sided, and it's 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 been a World Cup of of some very good performances, but it hasn't been a good World Cup, has it? I mean, let let's let's be honest. The the matches themselves have, aren't going to have turned any neutrals. Not you know, I, I was covering the Rugby World Cup, and I had people that aren't rugby fans tune in and say, "Wow, that was all rugby matches like it. That was that was spectacular." I don't think you're going to have any people who weren't cricket fans just randomly flicking on the, the ODI World Cup and thinking, "Wow, this is a sport I really want to get behind." So. It doesn't look good. I'm hoping that the knockouts are going to provide three um, three cracking matches. If you're asking me for a solution to the format, I really have no idea. Um, I, I can't even say that we've got to make it a, a, an even contest between back and ball because one, one team is scoring 400 and then bowling another team out for 50. So clearly, clearly the, one team knows how to bat and knows how to bowl. So I, I honestly don't know. I, I, I hope it preserves. Um, like I said, I, I love the format. But yeah, yeah. Um, what what will it look like in four years' time by the time South Africa hosts this? I, I, I don't know. I mean, will will anyone be playing ODI cricket outside of World Cups? Who's to say? That is a possibility. Given it's just, you're talking about the next World Cup, but it's still four years away. So, so much can change in that yeah. time. Just talking about the format in general, you know, everyone playing everyone. We've seen it with the last two World Cups now. Uh, mm. The league, league stage. And the longer it goes on, it just feels like a drag, doesn't it? I mean... And another factor being that England, how badly they've played, were still in contention mathematically just a match or two ago. And that just speaks... I don't think that sits well with the format. It's like a team that's played that badly after losing five out of their first six games or six out of their first seven, whatever it was, they're still in with a chance, be it mathematically or whatever. And again, now with India... We've known for a couple of weeks, three weeks now that India are going to be in the semi-finals, and it just, it just, it just feels like a drag the longer it goes on. Now, 2027 is going to be similar to 2003 is what they're saying right now, where 14 mm. teams, which is, you know, a step in the right direction from 10 to 14, but seven groups and then uh, two groups of seven each, then the Super Six stage, top three from each group qualify, and then the semis and the finals. Do you think that's going to be that's going to bring a lot more excitement into into the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly won't make it worse. This is a terrible format. Um, it makes absolutely no sense. It's it's it it's not a it's not a tournament. It's a it's a league with with playoffs at the end. I, again, I keep talking about rugby, but this reminds me of 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 Super Rugby, um, and that and that was over four months when everyone would play. You know, all rugby teams were playing a weekend, and uh, it was involved matches between Australians and and New Zealanders and South Africans. This makes absolutely no sense. Um, it was a drag four years ago. It's a drag now. Ten-team tournament is, is is not how you grow the game. Um, Ireland, West Indies, Scotland, who else? Zimbabwe should be involved. I don't care. I mean, the reason why those the smaller teams, and I include West Indies in that, but the reason why it was reduced to a ten-team tournament is because you wanted our strength versus strength and to make sure there aren't capitulations and hidings. Well, We've seen so many hidings. So, so what this this tournament serves really no purpose. It's a um, a real blunder by by the organisers, and I can't wait to see the back of it. Um, yeah, an, an improvement in the format. You, basically, what you want in a World Cup is you want jeopardy. I mean, England won the World Cup four years ago, having lost three games in the in the group stage. 
in in a football world cup if you lose three first of all if you lose three games you're out of the league because you only play three you only play three group games you could basically maybe afford to lose two games if you're lucky in the group stage but if you lose the third one you're losing the the, the round of last 16 or the quarterfinals whatever and you're out so if a champion can lose three games they're no real champions quite frankly i, I don't want to take anything away from them they were the best team four years ago they were deserving winners but there needs to be jeopardy in every in every World Cup game, and and this tournament shows. I mean, South Africa have lost two already, right? They 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 got a hiding by, by India, and they lost to the Netherlands. They could still go and win this World Cup. I, I mean, I'll be delighted, but it doesn't quite sit right with me. There needs to be there needs to be greater jeopardy. There needs there needs to be a smaller tournament, and and we need to see big teams knocked out. And 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 but the reason why we have this is because. Indian TV broadcasters want to put Indian cricketers on TV for as long as possible. So they guaranteed to get nine, now at least 10 matches of, of India on TV and they'll make a fortune from it. And, and this is the only reason why we have this, this, um, this format. So yeah, I can't wait for four years time, bring in the smaller teams. Let's get some more upsets. And, uh, and hopefully that might, uh, that might change a few things. I do get, uh, you know, that, they want an India-Pakistan match every time as well because uh, that's, of course, the big money game. But there's no reason you can't put that put that in a group stage as well. Uh, if you want, okay, fine, put them in the same group together. You want to do it that way? Great. Do You'll still get your match, India-Pakistan. But yeah, this format, like you said, doesn't make sense. Toby, uh, again, next time we are going to have a little bit of an improvement, like they're saying with 2027. But... It's going to be Super 6 and then again semi-finals, finals. Do you like that or do you prefer bringing in quarterfinals? I want to see picture? as many knockout games as possible, I'd say. I think quarterfinals make it really interesting. Um, I think I've talked about it before, but I think following almost exactly the same style as what the Rugby World Cup has, where you have um, four groups of five, similar to what they're doing for the T20 World Cup <laughs> next year. And it allows you to... If you have one bad group game, that's fine. It's, there's always going to be a slip up from from major teams in these tournaments. But the second you start to lose more than one game or two games, you're out and that's it. And it doesn't matter um, whether you're India or whether you're Zambia or whoever it might be who have somehow scraped into the World Cup. The second you lose multiple games, you, as Daniel says, you're probably not the best team in the world. And I mean, as England proved in 2019, you can be and have a few odd games. But when you, particularly when you consider that we have the Champions Trophy every two years, which is meant to be the sort of the best eight teams um, and the sort of the highest highs with the most competitive matches, surely you then don't need every other two years the the World Cup to be just a 10-team version of it. It's sort of much better spectacle and, and much better for smaller nations and cricket as, as a whole around the globe to try and get as many teams in. You, you'll see more upsets as we've seen already so far um in this tournament and i think that's just a much better way to grow the game to try and actually um allow smaller nations to have an aspiration for making it into a world cup which would be huge for so many teams and would actually grow the sport massively within these countries that it would it would make so much more sense to to actually allow these teams a chance of qualification 100% and with the next world cup it, it's going to be co-hosted by south africa zimbabwe and namibia and South Africa, Zimbabwe will both, you know, be directly into that World Cup virtue of being the hosts. But they're saying the Namibia, because they're not a, a sort of full a member nation, they still will have to go through the qualifying uh, rounds and the qualifying criteria and stuff like that, which I personally don't agree with. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be so great to have Namibia playing a home World Cup. I know that the matches in Namibia are going to be really really minimal compared to. South Africa and Zimbabwe hosting most of the matches. But, I mean, that's a chance of having a team like Namibia directly playing the World Cup. And I get they don't want to put them directly into the World Cup, go through qualifying because of the rules or whatever they have. But it would just be so good to have a, a Namibia playing the World Cup uh, without having to go through that qualification because, yeah, there's a big chance that they're not going to make it at all in their home World Cup. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, future of ODIs is also something that we will keep a close eye on. You know, it, it also takes me back to 2007. While that ODI World Cup wasn't, you know, the most exciting, I should say, or the one that people don't remember the most, given how Australia completely ran away with it. If you see India, they absolutely thrashed Bermuda in that group stage match, scoring 400 over 400 runs back then. This is 16 years ago. And bowling them out really cheaply. They lost to Bangladesh. And then 
one more match they lost to sri lanka and they were out of the world cup and that was a team that had sachin dravid uh, kumble ganguly and so many of these big greats uh, back in the day that we saw so uh, something like that smaller groups you play two bad games you're out that's how it should be daniel before we get towards the end of this we love doing predictions on the one shot podcast we've been doing quite a few i'd like to get your thoughts on the predictions for the rest of this world cup i mean the knockout stages only which is all that's remaining we know three teams two of them officially confirmed to make it in the semis we know australia are also almost there who do you think mm-hmm. is the fourth team that's going to make it you think pakistan once again out of nowhere will get their eye back in well i mean who's to say new zealand have, have lost form the bounce um pakistan lost three in the bounce before they won two so i kind of hope they play against each other at some point um yeah i i i it, i mean south africa and india i think have clearly been the two best teams um in this world cup so it's sort of the the final that is that would be deserving of the tournament because you know as as toby said we you you what you want a world cup to advance the two best teams but with jeopardy of course but i think it's always it's always a good reflection if you get the two best teams playing against each other yeah who's going to make it i i've been i've been disappointed in pakistan i thought they were going to have a much better tournament than they than they have had they seem to be finding form again and look if they if they beat south africa um which they almost did they would be on 10 points and south africa would also be on 10 points and then we'd be saying how they how they are two evenly matched teams and you know either one of them could go through so you know one kesha maharaj swivel behind square is has completely changed the narrative and now we can when are we outright saying south africa are the second best and pakistan are, are are chasing a final spot so i i think i think pakistan will maybe do enough i see new zealand play sri lanka next they're not they're not a very good side pakistan playing the next they definitely not a very good side so yeah we'll come down to run rates i'm 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 looking at it right now pakistan don't have a great run rate do they um new zealand have a better one so Yeah, I guess I guess New Zealand will probably just about edge it. Um look, whoever whoever does go through are probably going to get um shellacked by India in the semi-finals and then whoever wins the semi-final between South Africa and Australia, which will be an epic and like I said a chance to exercise some demons, will get shellacked by India in the final. So um unless of course India do what India have done for a few World Cups and find somehow find a way of losing a semi-final um against a team they should beat, which and i don't just say this to troll the indian fans it 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 would be objectively quite funny if that if that were to happen but no any any i mean anyone but india they they just look a phenomenal team they their batting is remarkable virat kohli is is almost certainly the greatest odi batsman of all time their their bowling is just remarkable i i don't know how anyone faces bumrah he he's 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 maybe the greatest odi bo- odi seamer of all time and he and he's and he's no one yet done yet he's just sensation. I remember being at the Oval in that game where where England were effectively bowled out in what was it, like 15 overs or something. When he, when he find when he finds that back of the length and he moves it off the seam it just seems to explode off the length. You know, conventional wisdom would say that the ball slows down after it bounces. He he seems to make it go quicker. It's almost like he like he's injected some sort of spring in the seam when he when he bowls. He's is just amazing. Siraj is in great form and then they got the spinners who come on if if somehow you manage to get the seamers away they they're a great side they look really fit they well captained they well coached they 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 got the makings of a dynasty i mean we've been saying this for a while but they they finally coming to fruition now and then if they if they claim a test series victory against england um late in the year yeah this india side will go down as one of the, as one of the greatest of all time but they need it but they need a another white ball triumph no other team will be feeling the pressure apart from india but i mean how can you look past them any anything other than a a romp even even if the the semifinals and finals are tight i think that would constitute an upset anything other than than an india procession would would be an upset so yeah india to win it and to beat south africa in the final with quinn de kock scoring a a a combative 100 in his final odi game wow that's re- that's really specific as for i mean a really interesting prediction as well toby do you think anyone at all is going to get the better of india in the semi final or the final yes i think that's the that's, uh-huh. the, that's the interesting part of a of a world cup is that india have been far and away the best team so far in the group stage but 
all it takes is one slip up, one they're bowled out for under a hundred or under two hundred, and an easy chase, one one mess basically, which this India team does have within them, which every team has within them, and then they're out of the World Cup. I mean, taking back to the Rugby World Cup as we've talked about before, Ireland were dominant in the in the group stages and were fantastic. And then they just came up against a very good New Zealand side in the quarterfinals and are out. And they're the world's best ranked team, like India are in this World Cup. And they mess up once and and they're done. And and I can kind of see that happening for India. They obviously aren't known for for the greatest having the greatest bottle in sort of crucial matches. Um having not won the World Cup since 2011, not won a major trophy since the Champions Trophy in 2013. And they they possibly have it within them. I think they should win on paper, but cricket's not pay, played on paper, as, as the old saying goes. Um, and they definitely have that ability to just, just lose, as, as every team does. And do you think Hardik Pandya's absence is going to come back to bite them in when it and when it matters the most in either the semi or the final? I don't see this is the tough one yet again. Their bowling lineup looks so much stronger without him in it, just because Shami's come in for Thakur. So maybe if Pandya comes back in, he just slots in almost as a as a batter in, in place of Sky or Shreyas Iyer or whoever it might be. Um and they don't worry so much about having that that all rounder with Thakur in there. But I think they do look a slightly more um slip up resistant side having Thakur and Pandya in there just because you have that extra depth in that batting lineup or even Ashwin instead of Thakur which yet again would be a very strong bowling lineup but very harsh on Shami or more likely Siraj if they're dropped they just look so good even without that Hardik Pandya factor maybe just a year or two ago you'd have said that this team would absolutely struggle without him but the way they've gone about business in this World Cup they just don't seem to be phased, even though they don't have their best all-rounder right now. Best seam bowling all-rounder, I should, I should say, because Ravindra Jadeja makes a very strong case for being the best all-rounder in India right now. I don't want to get too ahead of myself with you know some of the other predictions, but Daniel, do you think Afghanistan have another upset left in them, given that they face Australia and South Africa in their last two matches and they're still, they're still in, in and around? Yeah, why not? Um, they're sort of kingmakers, aren't they? Um, them in the Netherlands, who, who play, who also play India, um, Bangladesh also play Australia. I mean, Australia have got have got a couple of tricky games to go. I mean, I can't see them losing both those games, but it wouldn't be inconceivable if if Australia lose to Afghanistan and Bangladesh. Similarly, South Africa could could lose to Afghanistan. I mean, they've lost the Netherlands, so you know, all bets are off with South Africa. Um, yeah, being impressed with Afghanistan. It's it's given what's been going on with the politics of Afghanistan and 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 some of the comments about the players. It, it, I found it hard to to love Afghanistan in the way that I I might have um, a few years ago. I think you know the way that the women's program has been treated by by the new government is obviously hugely problematic. They, they are a, a legitimate. Um, there's a legitimate case to be made that Bangladesh shouldn't be allowed to be playing in the in the World Cup if if there is no women's program. You know why? Why should a men's team only be allowed to play? The counter argument to that is that the Taliban wouldn't care if Afghanistan men play in a World Cup. It's not going to change their views. It's not like if the South African government couldn't send a national team or, or the Indian government couldn't send a national team. You know that I think sports would have the power to change to change government policies in some countries. I don't think it would make an iota of difference in Afghanistan. So. Really, who would you be punishing? You would just be punishing the men's players. So, yeah, but that I guess that's another story, um, and not really the question that you asked. Do they have uh, the chance to cause an upset? Yeah, if they win both their games, they go to twelve points and they qualify for the next round. And wouldn't that be remarkable for a team that you know wasn't even on life support what ten years ago? So, yeah, power to them. They they've been great. They fold the great cricketers. They they understand the conditions. They 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 fold the players who have who have done the hard yards and. And they, you know, they've, they've they've shown they deserve to be there. So I don't think that they will beat Australia and South Africa. I think Australia and South Africa just have kind of too much class across the eleven in both sides. But yeah, if they if they can knock out Australia and with, along with Bangladesh uh, as a South African, I would find that absolutely sensational. It would it would be massive. I think it would be huge for the sport. Just you know, if something like this happens. We'll keep an eye on all of that. Uh, today has been a really fun chat. Daniel, thank you so much.
for joining us on the One Shot Podcast. It is an absolute pleasure, uh, you know, for Toby and myself to host you today. And we will come back to your prediction for the semi and the final as well and see if that works out or like Toby boldly predicted that someone is going to come and knock India off the top. Daniel, how, how did you like being on the One Shot Podcast? Yeah, I love the guys. Great work. Um, look forward to to seeing if your predictions come right, Toby. Um, I, I, I'm I'm fully with you. I, I don't see it happening, but absolutely. Like I said, it would just be... It would just be quite funny <laughs> if uh, uh, if India get knocked off. But hey, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sound too cynical. I, I, I'd be, I'd be thrilled for Vera Kohli if he does go and, and and win a World Cup, and all the players lift him on 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 their shoulders the way he lifted Sachin, um, maybe scoring a hundred to go outright as the as the top um, century maker for his country um, at, at, in their home ground. Who could begrudge them that? But you know, obviously as a as a, as a rainbow-blooded South African, I would I would just love it if, if the Proteus managed to do it. Yeah, he he did have a fairy tale. Rat Kohli, speaking about Kohli, he did have a fairy tale yesterday as well, equaling Sachin's record on his birthday and getting a hundred in the big match against South Africa. But if what you're saying happens, scoring a hundred in the final, going as the outright leader of uh, ODI hundreds and winning the World Cup and the team carrying him around. I don't think I do think that would be the fairy tale of fairy tales. So we'll see if that works out or not. Toby, once again, thank you for joining us today. Cheers, homie. It's another great podcast with some great insight from from Dan. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. This was episode twelve of the One Shot Podcast. We will be back very soon. Toby, myself, and another guest on the podcast very soon. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, do ca- catch the rest of the episodes uh, of the One Shot Podcast on Spotify and on the Sports Gazette website, where we're doing a lot more content uh, content apart from just podcast and not just cricket, but across sports. Uh, I've had a, an article come come down about Canadian cricket very recently. We will be coming up, coming up with our weekly roundup as we do every week of this World Cup as well very soon. And so much more going forward. Until next time, this is Ayush and Toby signing off. Take care, guys. Enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll see you very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.